Hey guys, we are so glad you're here with us at Journey Church Online. I want you to know God has something so amazing planned for you today. If you're wanting to get more information about Journey Church, we have a texting service that we want you to text. Text the phrase, My Welcome to 94000. This is how we want to help connect you with Journey Church. Also, if you want updates texted to your phone about what's going on here at Journey Church, text My Journey to 94000. As we jump into the service, I want to encourage you to share this video with someone. The small action of sharing the service can be the start of life change for whoever sees it. Hey guys, welcome to Journey Online. We're so glad that you're joining us again. And uh, man, we uh, are excited about today. We're starting a new series but, man, we also just finished up a really great series called Victory. And hopefully you guys, man, you, you had a great time with your family on the 4th of July weekend celebrating the freedoms that we have here in America. But also, for those of you that are believers, man, you begin to walk in the freedom that we can experience through Christ. Because of what he did on the cross and what he did through the power of the resurrection. That we are no longer slaves or in bondage to sin. We've been set free. So hopefully, this week you have been walking in that, in literally that promise and in that truth this week. But today we, we, we start a new series, and it's called Being Positive in a Negative World. And, and how, do, how do we remain positive whenever there's so much negativity going on around us? I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know. We, uh, we, we've got so much going on around us. The, the pandemic has got spikes hitting in uh, all kinds of places and things like that. And a lot of people are living in fear. A lot of people are afraid. Uh, we, we understand that. And so there's also the tensions that are going on. There's racial tensions. There's political just attacks going on left and right against each other and it's so negative the media is just it's it's just inundated with negativity and and so the thing is is how do you stay positive with all this chaos and all this negativity going on around us well some of it you need to not listen to some of it you need to be focused on something that's really more truth than just things that are out there and so i would just say today let's begin hey how do we have a positive attitude or how do you keep a positive attitude when things seem to be so negative around you and, and I want us to look into Scripture, and, and you know, and I, I thought this, you know, as I was preparing this, you know, God, why am I, why do you have me teaching on this today? And I know that our nation is going through a lot of negativity, but it's been, it's been one of those weeks where it's things around you, you know, make it tough to stay positive. And, it, and I've had one of those weeks, full disclosure, it's just one of those like, God, I don't know if I need to be teaching on this this week, but it's all the more reason that I need to be teaching on it, and I need to be reading it, and I need to be clinging to what is here, because it's so easy to just say, well, you know, somebody else needs to cover that. But whenever we're going through tough times, God is teaching us. And, and so I want to share a, a, a passage with you here. It's, it's out of Acts chapter 16. This is verses 16 through 34. And let me tell you a little bit about what's happening. But Paul and Silas are about to be imprisoned. And, uh, and they're doing good. I mean, they're doing a great thing. They're, they're trying to make a difference. And, uh, but, man, they run into some trouble here. So let's just pick up here reading. It says, Once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. In other words, she was a slave. So she had to do what they told her to do. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. Now, that sounds like a positive thing, doesn't it? The heat, she's walking around saying to these people, you know, Hey, listen, these men, they are from the Most High God, and they are telling you how to be saved. It sounds positive, 
But I don't know if she was like a broken record or what, but Paul became annoyed with like the, the same thing maybe over and over. Maybe she was doing it as a taunt. Maybe she was just trying to, to taunt them or whatever. But he had had enough and he just said, hey, listen, he commanded that spirit to come out of her and it changed everything for her from that point forward. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And they brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And so here these guys are. They, you know, they're doing good. They're sharing hope. They're offering a message of hope. The good news. The good news of Christ. And, and anyway, so by setting this girl free of a demonic spirit, literally, you know, they're, they're being punished for that. They're trying to do what is right. And, and so here they are literally being punished. They get thrown into this prison and they've been flogged. They've been beaten. And so when he received the, these orders, this is the jailer, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, uh, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly... There was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, listen to this, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He knew there was something about them. And, you know, he knew that there was something about these guys. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole household. Man, that's where, it, where it's at. It's a relationship with God, through his, uh, with God through his son, Jesus Christ. It says, and then they spoke the word of the Lord in, you know, to him and to all the others in his house. In other words, they begin to share the good news. They begin to share the gospel. They begin to share the truth of God's word. So everybody in the house heard it. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and he washed their wounds. He began to care for them and minister to them. And then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. That's an awesome passage right there. You know, so here's, here's the thing. Here's a, a jailer who, you know, just earlier was about to kill himself because he thought he had blown his assignment he had blown everything and, and so he's in the middle of chaos he's in the middle of negativity if you will but yet man he finds this incredible thing called truth he, he finds the gospel he hears it because of what paul and silas were already about and they literally they share with him how the, how he can be saved and how he can be uh, set free and he can walk in in the freedom that we talked about last week but also to have that peace that passes understanding and look at what it says again it says he was filled with joy. He was filled with joy. All this has happened throughout the night, but yet, man, he's filled with joy. Unexplainable joy. He's excited about what he's experiencing. And, and he has come to believe in God, he and his whole household. And so, what a great passage. And there's a couple of things I think that we can, we can see that have happened here. Paul and Silas had every reason in the world to be negative themselves. I mean, number one, you know, they, they had been beaten. They had been beaten. I mean, I don't know if you get the picture, but they were beaten with rods. You know, and there's that, you know, is it wooden rods? Is it metal rods? You know, we go back and we look at the crucifixion of Christ and the floggings that took place. 
the cat of nine tails, if you know much about that, it was a whip with pieces of bone and pieces of metal. And oftentimes, you know, they would be tied throughout that, that cat of nine tails and they would whip Jesus back. And literally it would dig in, it would bruise, it would cause contusions, it would also rip his back to shreds. And so that was one way of punishment back then. But here it was a flying where they would take him and literally just wail on their back and just beat them. And so here they, they have a reason to be negative. They have a reason to be you know, you know, complaining against God, complaining against everything. They've been beaten and probably hurting and sore, you know, and, and, and man, they had every reason in the world to be naked. They're in chains. They, they were in chains. It says that they had, had them in chains, had stocks uh, uh, on their legs. And I don't know if you know what stocks are, but oftentimes you'll see people getting pictures made with stocks where they put their hands through it and their head through it, and they'll, they'll take pictures like that at some kind of tourist trap. Well, this was stocks on their legs, and they had them chained, and they were bound up you know they were captives in a jail you know and and so they're they've got every reason in the world to be negative but that's not what you see and here's the other thing they had been illegally imprisoned you know they were they were roman citizens and there was no trial or anything and and paul brings that about at the end of this chapter he brings that about and all of a sudden the magistrates are like whoa we didn't know we thought you were just jews we didn't know that you were uh you know citizens of rome and so they had been illegally in prison, they, all the beating, the chaining, you know, up and everything, all that stuff was illegal. But man, they're sitting there and they're in in this jail cell and they begin to sing songs. So Paul and Silas, they chose to to focus on God. Their focus was not on their circumstances. It wasn't on the chains that were on them. Their focus was on the God that they served. And so their focus was there. They're singing hymns and they're singing songs to him, praise songs to him. And so Paul and Silas chose to focus on God. So here's some of the things they did. They were praying. And I love this, man. They're, they were praying. You know, and, and I feel like sometimes we, the times that we want to pray is whenever things are going bad. But the thing is, we should be praying without ceasing. We should always be in a mindset of prayer. Driving down the road, you're driving your vehicle, man, you're praying for things. God's bringing people to mind. You're praying for them. You're praying for the church. You're praying for the message of the gospel to go forward. You're praying for the great commission to be fulfilled. You're praying for Christ's return. You know, all those things. We're praying for people. You know, there's somebody that we know that's going through a tough time. You know, there's people that are that are losing their family members as a result of this COVID-19 right now. Maybe it hasn't hit your family, but hit somebody that you know. Be praying for them. You know, pray for our leaders. Our, our, the, the, the book of Romans tells us to be praying for our leaders and to lift them up. You know, so we ought to be praying every chance we get. So they were praying. And I want to share a, a, a passage with you out of Matthew. This is the model prayer that Jesus gives us. It's Matthew uh, chapter uh, 6, verses 9 through 15. And, and read this with me. So this is what we call the, the model prayer. But oftentimes people call it the Lord's Prayer. But it really is just it's a model that Jesus gives us to, to draw from. He says, this, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so here we see this passage, and it's a model that is given to us. So Jesus is modeling for his disciples. Because, you know, the disciples came to Jesus. They didn't say, hey, Jesus, will you teach us how you, how you did that little spit and mud thing where you put it on the guy's eyes? Or, Jesus, will you show us how you turned those, all those, those couple of fishes and loaves into all that food? But they said, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? 
And they knew that that's where his power came from, his connection to the Father. You know, and so he had modeled that. He had modeled it for the disciples. He had modeled that in such a way that Paul and Silas knew that, man, we ought to be men of prayer. We ought to be praying. And so, again, it says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name, God. And we're praying to God the Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. God, it's about what you want, you desire. And so Paul and Silas sitting in prison, I'm sure they were going, you know, Lord, we want your will to be done. Whatever it is, if we die here, we die here. But God, we want your will to be done. He said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want it to be, we want earth to be like heaven. It's where people love each other and care about each other. Man, and and the, the message of love is permeated everywhere. Give us today our daily bread. And that daily bread is God's word. It's his truth. Lord, feed us with your spirit. You know, and provide whatever is needed. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive others, forgive, uh, have forgiven our debtors. In other words, Lord, help us to forgive those who have wounded us. And God, we, uh, help, help us to walk in that. Walk in forgiveness. And lead us not into temptation. We talked about that last week. Avoiding the darkness. But of, look at that. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, lead us on a path that leads to you. And that avoids some of the pitfalls and some of the things that are on this path that we're living called life. So God, help us to seek you first and to follow you in everything that we do. But deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So we have to be about forgiveness. There's another great passage in First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It says, always be joyful. All right, so that's, that's a command to us. That's a directive. Always be joyful. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter if there's a pandemic going on, no matter if there's racial tensions everywhere, no matter if there's craziness in our politics, no matter what, we're to always be joyful. And you go, how in the world do you do that? It's just like Paul and them did. You stay focused on the Father. You stay focused on His mission. Never stop praying. So we don't pray just when we're in prison. We don't pray when we're going through negative times. We don't pray whenever things aren't going our way. But we stay focused on prayer, you know, it's a mindset of prayer where prayer is like breathing is what we say here at Journey. Be thankful in all circumstances. You're sitting in prison. I remember Paul, you know, talking about being thankful for the fact that he was in chains for the gospel. Not many people would say that they're thankful for that. But being thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So we're to be joyful. We're to never stop praying. And we're to be thankful in all circumstances. And so they were praying and they were doing a powerful job of praying. Here's the other thing they were singing. We talked about that earlier. They were singing. They were singing songs. You know, and, and here's the thing, you know, in the, in the text it says they were singing hymns. And, and a hymn is a song of praise. That's, it comes from the Greek word. It means a song of praise. And, and so they're singing songs of praise to God. It says the other prisoners were listening. And, you know, and I wonder how many of those prisoners, maybe it's not recorded in the Scripture. I wonder how many of them said, you know what, there is a God. And they heard the message that Paul and Silas were sharing. And maybe they put their faith in Christ. You know, maybe they made that decision to accept Christ. And, and so I think about whenever we come in here to worship, or wherever you're at, when you're in a worship setting, you know, whenever you're worshiping God, you know, there are people that look at us. You know, and I, I know sometimes we worry too much about what people look at and think. But the thing is, is how we worship oftentimes reveals to the people around us how passionate we, passionately in love with God we are. And so it becomes part of our witness that when people see that we really love God and that we really believe that, you know what, He has saved us and He has changed us and He is transforming us, they will desire to have that same relationship. And so I think it's important for us to, to sing with passion. And so here he is, he's singing these songs, these hymns and stuff. 
I think back to uh, what a friend of mine told me years ago. We were fishing one, one uh, day on the Black River, on the Black Warrior River up in uh, North Alabama. And anyway, we were fishing and we were talking and uh, he was singing and uh, whistling. And I was like, uh, and, and anyway, we just got talking. And it was just one of those days where we had all kinds of conversations. He said, you know, my dad taught me one time. He said, a man who is singing, you know, is usually filled with joy. A man who is whistling is usually filled with joy. And, and I thought about that as, as we read that passage earlier in Thessalonians, you know, that, hey man, you know, be, be joyful always, rejoice always, you know, and, and so I was thinking, you know, maybe people need to see us whistling and singing and, you know, maybe enjoying life and they, they see that demeanor on us. And so here's the thing. They were focused, they were singing, they were focused on the Father. They were focused on the Father. Their focus was not on their circumstances, wasn't on the chains or the stocks. It wasn't even on the jailer. It was on God the Father. And so their attention, their, their focus was there. Their focus was on the right thing. And so they were focused on the Father. And, and like Jesus had prayed earlier, or, or showed us earlier in that, math, in that passage out of Matthew, Father, your will be done. And so Paul had learned that. Father, we, I want your will to be done. God, I want it to be about you. I want you to be glorified. And so in everything in our life, that is what it really should be about. Is God, how do we glorify you? How do we make it about you? And too often what we do is, even as believers, man, we get to the point where it's about us. We want it to be about us. And, and Paul and Silas are making it clear, man, our focus is on the Father. And here's the last one. They knew God was still working. I think there are times, maybe even in the pandemic that we're in right now, maybe with the tensions that are going on, there's some of you and maybe even believers out there that have wondered, hey, has God given up on us? Where is God in all this? How, why is God letting this happen? Paul and Silas could have said the same thing. You know, they, they're, is there taking each lick with those rods on their back they could have been going where is god you know where is this god that i claim to serve and so there's there's often times that i feel like maybe when things aren't going the way that we want them to go we begin to question god where are you what are you doing here's saying he's god we're not it's his decision it's his will it's his way that's what we're looking at and so when we die to ourselves we're saying god it's not about what i want god it's what you want what you desire and so oftentimes i think we we forget there's, it's about God's purpose, God's plan. It's not the American dream. It's not what we desire. But they knew God was still working. Faith is knowing something, believing something, not questioning. But they knew that God was still working. The fact that they're in there singing and the fact that they're in there praying, they knew that God was still working. And so we got, we've got to have that mentality with our nation. You know what? We believe that God is working. I believe that God is working in the churches now as much as ever. You know, we may be at home and online and stuff like that. But I believe that God and I believe the, I believe the gospel is going forward as much as ever. So we've got to believe that God is still working. And we've got to be willing to say, God, you know, I, I want to hear from you. Like we talked about last week, we've got to pursue God. We've got to chase after Him. I mean, He's working all around us. One of the things that we were taught in Henry Blackaby years ago is look for where God is at work and join Him there. God is always at work. He's working all around us. We've just got to find where God is working and join Him there. I thought it was a cool thing today on the way to work. I was, I was, I was driving to work and I, I saw this, uh, this, this family sitting out by the road. It says, stop and let us pray for you. I thought it was cool, man. That's a, it's a great thing. God is at work. God's got somebody out there on, on the side of the road, literally invite people to pull over just so they can pray about it. And I think that's powerful. So if we have that mentality that God is still working, that's a big deal. I think sometimes our focus, uh, can, you know, a loss of focus can mess us up. I don't know about you, but, there's times whenever, you know, in sports or whatever, it's a lack of focus. It's oftentimes who makes the mistake and who loses focus 
is who wins, who loses the match or whatever it might be. There's a story about Arnold Palmer. I want to read, I want to read this to you real quick. It says, Arnold Palmer recalls a lesson about overconfidence. Sometimes we get overconfidence, which is a focus on self rather than on uh, who, who, who we ought to be focused on. It says it was the final hole of the 1961 Masters Tournament, and I had a one-stroke lead and had just hit a very satisfying tee shot. I felt I was in pretty good shape. As I approached the ball, I saw an old friend standing at the edge of the gallery. He motioned me over, stuck out his hand, and said, congratulations. I, sh- I, sh- I took his hand and, and shook it, but as soon as I did, I knew I had lost my focus. On my next two shots, I hit the ball into the sand trap and then put it over the edge of the green. I missed a putt and lost the Masters. You don't forget a mistake like that. You just get, you learn from it and become determined that you will never do that again. And I have it in the 30 years since. And so Arnold Palmer's talking about a game, just a, just a game, a golf game. You might say, Mike, that golf game pays a lot of money. I get that. But here's what I'm saying. It's just a game. But what we do is we lose focus on the little things and we lose focus on the things that matter the most, like the things of God, the kingdom of God. In this pandemic, it's been easy for people to kind of lose focus and, and to kind of lose sight of, hey, what, what is the mission of the church? What is my job as, as a believer? And all of a sudden, it's more about, hey, what is comfortable for me? What is safe for me? What is, what, you know, what is it that I want to do? And I'm just telling you, I believe that God is, is challenging the church. He's speaking to the church. He's saying, listen, we need to refocus and we need to stay on mission. We need to make sure that we're back in tune with what God's plan and purpose is. And so here, here's one of the things that we can do that by focusing our thoughts on praiseworthy things. Rather than focusing on all the negativity and all the chaos, we begin to focus on positive things. Look at what it says in Philippians 4 here. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, and this is Paul writing again, Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Don't give, don't give ear to, to, to just hearsay or to gossip or to anything out there that is not true. But he says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent, worthy of praise. And keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. This is what I love about this passage. Paul can say, hey, listen, when I was in prison, you guys know this is what I did. And so here's what he's saying. Hey, listen, put into practice what you've seen me doing. This is what I've chosen to do. I've chosen to focus. I've chosen to fix my thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, that doesn't mean that he didn't address issues or whatever. But, man, he focused on those things. And he said, hey, listen, put into practice what I've done. I think too often what we do is we get to thinking that, you know what, man, I've got to be positive. I've got to be fake. It's not about being fake. It's about being real. But it's about choosing to focus on the things that matter. It's choosing to focus on God, choosing to focus on His Word, choosing to focus on living in a way that honors Him and glorifies Him. I want to, I want to give you some next steps that I feel like all of us probably need to work at. But here, here's one. Choose to focus on God's promises and not my circumstances, especially in the, in the day and age that we're in. This is a great uh, truth. We need to focus on God's promises. He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. That's a promise. You know, God is, God, He knows everything that's going on. Whom God holds in His hand, no one can snatch away. Go, just go back and look at some of the promises in God's Word and begin to cling to those instead of focusing on the circumstances around us and focusing on the things that are so negative, things that are so chaotic, but begin to focus on those things that are solid and true and honorable and those things that will last forever. So choose to focus on God's promises, not my circumstances. Spend extra time in focused prayer when things are extra, super negative. You know, Paul was praying all the time. 
But man, whenever he got into prison, it may have been that him and Paul, Paul, him, Paul and Silas were like, you know what? Man, we really need to be praying for God to do something special right now. And so maybe we, there are times whenever we do spend extra time in focused prayer. If you go back and read the rest of what, uh, Jesus was talking about in Matthew, he's talking about how to pray. He gives the model prayer, but he goes into fasting right after that. You know, and hey, listen, how to pray. You're not praying so that everybody will see you. You're not praying so that, you know, repetition, you're saying the same thing over and over, just babbling. They said, man, that's, that's crazy. And then when it gets down to fasting, he said, there's some things that, man, the power of prayer, power of prayer and fasting have to work together. And so you may have to give something up. But don't give it up and walk around disheveled looking and making everybody wonder, hey, man, are you okay? No, I'm just fasting. Man, you know, I'm going through a, man, I'm going through a tough time. You know, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to brush your hair. You're supposed to look like you put yourself together. You're not trying to draw attention to the fact that you're fasting. God knows what you're giving up. And so there are times that maybe you have to go into an extra focused time, you know, of prayer because of some of the negative and hard things that you're dealing with. And then here's another one. Make the decision to praise Him anyway. I remember a friend of mine uh, years ago was, was writing. Uh, he, he was going through a tough time with his ministry. His, his family was struggling financially. Uh, he just had a tough time going through things. And uh, him and his wife kind of got into a disagreement a little bit about maybe the bills or whatever. And so... He's a worship leader, and so he walks down to his uh, to his little studio, and he gets in there, and he, he plays the keyboard, and he he sits down, and he goes, "Man, I just don't re- really don't even feel like praising him." He said he felt like the Lord just spoke to him and said, "Praise him anyway, praise him anyway." And so he began to sit there, and he began to just sing songs, but sing hymns, sings praise songs and stuff, and and the more that he sang, the more that God began to reveal. And anyway, he ended up giving him a song called "Praise Him Anyway," and it became one of his best hits ever. And I think there are times we have to have we have to make that decision. You know, things aren't going the way I want them to go, but you know what? I'm going to praise Him anyway. I'm going to worship Him, even though I don't understand what God is doing. I'm going to praise Him anyway. And here's the final one: just like the jailer and his family, hear the good news and be saved. Hear the good news, hear the gospel, and be saved. You know, don't miss that. Don't don't start. Don't get focused on church and don't. Hey, I, I want to be a member of a church. Just hear the gospel and be saved. The membership of the church starts with salvation. Being a part of the body of Christ starts with Jesus Christ. There's no other way. It's not by signing a piece of paper. And so here's the thing I want to, I want to encourage you to do is, is hear the good news, hear, hear the gospel, that's the good news, and be saved. Just say, Jesus, man, I want to put my faith in you. Jesus, I believe that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And so Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. I want to ask you to forgive me, and he will. It's one of his promises. He's faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. If we'll just confess it, if we will accept him, if we'll receive the gift of eternal life, then God, God says he will literally wash away our sins. He will literally make us right with him because of what Christ has done, not because of what we do. We just receive the gift. And that gift covers my sin debt and forgives me of my sins and allows me to be a part of the family of God. And I'm adopted into that family. And therefore, I am co-heirs with Christ and I'm part of the family of God. You can be too. And so maybe today, that is your prayer. You get down on your knees and you say, Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me. Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you be my leader, my Lord? I surrender. And, and whenever you do that, by believing with all the faith that you have, you will be saved. And then you begin that walk, that journey with Christ. You begin to walk with Him until the day you die. And hopefully, like Paul and like Silas, you'll impact people's lives and you will share the good news. And there will be people coming to Christ because of what you have heard and what you have received today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for being able to focus on the good things that you promised, the good news, the gospel. 
God, the, the Word of God. Uh, Lord Father, so much truth that we can cling to and walk. Uh, Lord Father, walk on top of those things. We can step on top of those things and build a life on, on that truth, a foundation, if you will. And so, God, I thank you for the fact that you love us so much. God, you love Paul. You love Silas. God, you used them to do great and mighty things. They became great messengers of the good news. I thank you for the jailer who put his, his faith in you. I thank you for his family who heard the gospel and responded. And God, I thank you for the person who is out there somewhere, who today they hear the gospel, they put their faith in Christ for salvation. Lord Father, by faith, they are saved. And so God, I look forward to the day that one day we'll be able to baptize them. So God, thank you for meeting with us today. And God, help us to choose today to have a, to keep a positive attitude in this negative, chaotic world that we're living in. Help us to make a difference. Not sit back and complain, but go out and make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just made a decision to follow Christ, we want you to know it is the greatest decision you have ever made. And we want to help you with your next steps. If you'll text the phrase, my decision, to the number on your screen, we would love to help you as you start this journey with Christ. Again, we're so excited to see what all God does in you and through you. Now, we're going to bring our tithes and offering to God. I want to encourage you to put God first in this area of your life. We do that through our giving. Now, we've made this super simple. You should see a link on the screen and in the comment section to the Journey Church giving page. And there, you can return your tithes and offering. If you need any help learning how to give online and what that looks like, we have several tutorial videos on our YouTube page, so make sure you check them out. Your giving allows us to continue making an increasing impact for the gospel. So take that step right now and allow God to bless your obedience.